Hey, what's good, people? This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Evolution Volleyball. Evolution Volleyball is a club in the South Bay exclusively for indoor boys. Now, we have a lot of great coaching. We have state champions. We have NCAA champions. We have former players turned into coaches. And we also have real coaches. We have coach coaches. But the thing that separates us from a lot of the other volleyball clubs is that we guarantee every single player gets to play an entire set. Your kid sometimes wants to play with this club or that club because they know they get to practice with the best and they get the best coaching. But for me, sometimes in-game experience is experience. I consider experience experience. So if you're looking for a competitive team with um, a heightened equal level of coaching, if not better, and to have your kid have some in-game experience as well as practice experience, that's who we are. Evolution Volleyball Club. Duncan Avery is the program director. You got me, got Tom Chaffins, Kevin Norman, Richard Lewis, who is, um, well, I believe is in Europe right now, <laughs> right now, but he's with us, Long Beach State, two-time NCAA champ. So Evolution Volleyball, come play with us. Cool. Episode 74, Bobby Jones. The episode starts, episode starts right now. What's up, people? This is episode 74, and you ask and you shall receive, because for me, I've got to give the people, give the people what they want. Bobby Jones, what's What's good? Oh, man. God, I miss your face, Jason. Oh, my God, I miss your face. Every time I see you, I think of Central Park. Every time I see you, I think of AVP Manhattan with Chris Chips. Um, We could talk about that a little bit later. Every time I see you, I think about karaoke, man. And and, and you know what? I like (laughs) that you have evolved into this this just this great, not just you're still an active player, but this mature gentleman with, with, you have a lot of visions of what you want to do, but you took something, you clung to it, and and we're definitely going to talk about Project Serve, and I'm so happy, but I miss my karaoke buddy, man. I you do, know? man. I do. I, yeah. miss, I miss those days, brother. All right, it's a silly problem to have. We were talking about the pandemic and things we miss, and I was just like, you know? Yeah, you know. yeah. And, and, you know, people need people, man. People need... Um, People need a way to escape. People need a way to like connect with other people. And uh, honestly, I think that's something, man, you know, there's that whole like, everything happens for a reason type of thing with all this. But like, one thing that we noticed was like, people were coming out to Project Serve and they were like literally thanking us. Like, thank you for being open. Thank you for giving me a place to come and feel normal. Thank you for uh, camaraderie, socially distanced camaraderie. You know what I mean? People just like to connect. And you and me, are both, we're both like that. We love people. Uh, we love the game. Uh, and karaoke is one of those things. It's like you don't have to be a famous musician. You can go to the bar with all your best friends, and everybody gets to show this new fun side of themselves. Yeah, no doubt. And as I mentioned before the podcast, we were we were using this as a said way to get in. Um, yeah. We were players that, got good really fast on the beach and indoor and i think i i speak for both of us when i say it was also a form of escapism sure. but 
But when your escapism becomes your career, and when you come to the realization that the job can't save you behind, and I'll get into more of that later, the job can't save you behind, all right? And I'm cleaning it up for you. Um, you need a new, another form of release so that allows you to come back and do your job, right? There are some people, they like to rock climb, you know, swim. Some people like yeah. to swim with sharks and, you know, go to the Caymans. And when they come back, you know, they fresh and they could do their job like a mammal. And for me, um, performing was, karaoke was, you know, my, my, I was in a BFA program at Marymount and, you know, performing has always stuck with me. And, and like you said, it doesn't even matter if you're good or not. It's about fellowship. It's about connecting with people. It's about having something to say with a song that probably has nothing to do with how you feel. doesn't matter. So yeah, man, you and the Humpty dance boy. <laughs> yeah. Yo, RJ, we got to send this one out to RJ. <laughs> Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, and Coach Jeff, uh, Coach Jeff Alzina up there at Santa Clara. He got in on the Humpty Dance, I think. Jeff Alzina is a savage. Jeff Alzina so cool. is a savage. Wasn't it so cool? Uh, RJ. RJ's, a, RJ's yeah. a savage on that on that karaoke floor. What's that place called? Hennessy's? Hennessy's, yeah. Oh my God. So Monday night was Hennessy's and it was for the people listening. It was kind of like for people that like pubs over clubs. It's a nice bar setup. Yeah. And then you had Tower 12. That was kind of a clubby setup. There's more dance oriented karaoke. And, and of course you have all these Hollywood people and piano bar people out there making it yeah. look like, then, making it look like American Idol, you know, and <laughs> get everybody all excited to get yeah. out there. Oh, and then, uh, Greg Faulkner. Oh my God. He killed me. He's so good. Black Panther. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Greg so Black Panther Faulkner. Yep, that's what we call him because he, he wears so the costume. Good. He was Black Panther before Black Panther was Black Panther, so I got to give him that. I can't, I, can't, I can't disagree with that. Yeah. So I really like what Jeff Alzina was doing with the commentary team when the AVP put on that three-week thing. I, yeah. um, I've been one of their biggest critics and, and, and in an ultimate reversal, I've been one of their biggest praisers. I thought Amazon Prime was a great deal to strike with them and I think it was it kept people engaged. I like multiple courts and now you got commentary teams with, with, with multiple courts. I'm just with thinking, multiple, please, yeah. but I'm thinking, please get it right. Please get it right because sometimes we could get into a conversation about star power versus people that can actually do the job well, <laughs> right? You know, and, and you need both, right? Yeah. It's a dichotomy. You need somebody who's really quick on the mic, but somebody who's a fantastic coach may not be great at color commentary. You yep. know what I mean? So you've got to have both <clears throat> expert and the quick whip. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had Rob Sparrow on the podcast. He's one of the best commentators for Beach. Oh, yeah. He's one of the best. Yeah. I mean, he does all the Irvine games, but when we worked together with him, me, him, Dodd, Mike Dodd, um, Travis Muirwater, and Tim Hoff, of course, nice. star power is going to be Dodd and Hoff, right? I mean, uh, uh, assuming that their star power transcends the two generations, which I have my doubts on. But if you're looking for someone to do play-by-play -play and color, like or whatever, honestly, I think it's Rob. You know, well, no, <laughs> I'm messing with you. I think it's me. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I was gonna say, play, play. I'm messing with you. Jason putting somebody else. No, but I'm. I humbly, I humbly bow to Rob because he's engaging and he found a way to to do it and keep people interested. Me, I have all sure. these little side references that just keep people giggling along the way. Like I think the best color commentator out of the five of them is probably Dot. Right, the best play-by-play -play guy is probably Rob. But like one-man show, it's me. But 
as far as the, the pecking order is concerned, I like that it's interchangeable regardless of star power. If you're just looking well, if you're just, table, right? Yep. If you're just yeah. looking for the best guy for the job and having Alzina, man, that was a win, dude. And the guy that was in with him, that was calling play with him, man, that was savage. I love him. I love yeah. me some um Rich Lamborn. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. just, he, Rich is a savage yeah. for sure. If He's you not. actually look at him physically, you're like, all right, this guy's a jerk. He got the mohawk, he got all the muscles and stuff. You, man, this dude's probably a jerk. No, he's even if he is, and he's not, I'm messing with you. Um, yo, his his analytical was on point, man. I really liked him. No, no, and and his brain power behind the game is like nasty, world, world, world class. So it's like whatever's coming out of his mouth, his average day is going to be above most people's like payday you know what i mean like he's so on it all the time. well because he 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 doesn't take his star power for granted right he's a beach coach for for taylor and jake but he knew he was years and miles ahead of, behind everybody else <laughs> he knew he had to get in the video room and work and you know get a right. differentiation about how th people do do things on the beach and and on and on whatever and even though that's a good team to inherit <laughs> okay um nah you still have to win games right People give you sure. like, oh, he, oh, it's cool that he he wanted with Taylor and Jake, but you still got to put the work in, right? And those guys yeah. still have still have to win the tournament, you know? Yeah, yeah. dude, that's like well, me that's, playing. That's like, when you have, <clears throat> yeah. that's like when you have like one partner who's getting served all day, and the other partner is perceived as being like the better partner, mm -hmm. and then like like the partner A ain't getting the credit that they should be because they played with this other, you know phenomenal player but that dude had to side out all day like that dude got every single serve all day just because he had uh you know a, a star with him doesn't mean that he was automatically guaranteed to get to the final just like rich like that's right you still got to produce just like you could have you know what i mean it could have gone a million different ways but you still got to produce and and the coach is a player number three player so like if, if that coach ain't doing his job he's going to take them more off track than he's going to put them on track you feel me yeah it's going to be a <laughs> It's not gonna. It's not gonna work out. Yep. I got. I got this picture in my head of like you winning a tournament with like Theo Brunner, and like all of our peers and our contemporaries would be like, "Well, it sure helped to have Theo, didn't it?" And 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 then I picture, <laughs> and then I picture you saying, "What? I can't have nobody good. I can't have nobody good. <laughs> I, I don't get to have nobody good. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't play nobody. I can't play Okay, good. I'm five seven. Player, can I get it? Can I get Dude, some kudos? Uh, so many times in indoor in New York, you know, I mean, New York has a good Division One men's for urban. Oh, oh, help having Eugene, help having that guy. I'm like, dude, how many years did I have to carry people? <laughs> I can't have nobody good. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I got one for you. I got one for you. What about how good Timmy McNichol was in the state of New York, and then he played with. Eeyore. Remember that? Hell yeah. Made the draw, yeah? Uh-oh, I think I lost your signal, dude. Do you remember? Oh. Are right. you back? Yeah, I'm back. But right, cool. you mentioned Tim and Eeyore. Please walk yeah. me through that. When Tim, when Tim played with Eeyore, it was like, Eeyore had this like star power. When that dude walked on the beach, it was the same kind of thing. Six foot four, handsome, salt and pepper, built like a Greek god. And Timmy wasn't no slouch. I mean, Timmy's Timmy's maxed out, right? And <laughs> dude's getting every serve, you know, three out of four serves all the tournament. They're winning Toyotas. They're going up and down the East Coast winning tournaments. And people still want to give Timmy that street love. It was like, what? What? Like, 
you, yeah. you hiding out all night. Like, yeah. why can't you get that? Why can't you get that street cred? You know what I mean? You ain't so, going to hear no New Yorkers say that, though. I mean, like me was because we all know. Well, like Eugene's like, what? He can't have nobody good? <laughs> exactly what it is, man. Yeah, and Ehor, exactly let me tell you something. Ehor, he always had salt and pepper hair. He played at Rutgers. I think Rutgers okay. went to the Final Four either the year before he got there or or, or he, he was one of the people that helped them get there. And just an unstoppable uh, indoor player and and an undersized full-time blocker. I mean, you graciously listed him at 6'4", but, um, but the, the people he was competing against, it was almost, they were almost bigger than him. But because he was big at the net, you didn't know. To you and me, he was like one of the tall guys. Like Trevor Crabb, right? It's Trevor Crab yeah. like six eight. Is he terribly imposing? No, but you don't. You no one ever calls Trevor Crab an undersized blocker, because <laughs> no. no. he's just physical and he's and he's and he's he's one of the guys, right? Him and Try are split and block. Um, I've always liked that team, by the way. Um, oh yeah, I got to yeah. um, yeah. Let me let me hold the steering wheel because um, for this one moment, and I'm gonna hand it off to you. When I was doing the beat for Volleyball One-on-One, I interviewed you. Um, the NVL came to town and I interviewed you. Uh, you, yeah. were, you, were, you were torn with them. And I asked you, what does Project Serve? And you had this, this thing where Project Serve was still a, 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 a work in progress and what your goal yeah. was and what your focus is. Yeah. And I got to tell you, man, you are a man who kept his promises. And now I can ask you, that was 2017. It is 2021. I can ask you, what does Project Serve? And look at that smile. You're like, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> That's like asking Black Panther, what does Wakanda technology have to offer the rest of the world? It's like. <laughs> you just got to know. Yeah. Yeah. Man, those are such kind words. Um, yeah. Did you have a, were you going to finish? Do you have a question out of that? Actually, I'll do one better. I have a promotional video I want everyone to watch. And then I want oh, you to take the steering wheel and I want you to talk about some of the things. Okay. okay. Ready? Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. this is Project Serve. This is Bobby Jones, president and head trainer at Project Serve Volleyball Club. Our mission is to passionately develop volleyball athletes in our community and empower them to reach their full potential. I'm a lot faster. My hitting has gotten stronger. It's a friendship more than it is a coach trying to drill you with something. They become more athletic, better players, and they make a lot of friends. When you train with Project Serve, you receive world-class instruction. I'm fortunate enough to be Texas's first USAV certified high performance beach volleyball coach and have played professionally since 2004. Let Project Serve change the way you play volleyball forever. Visit us at Visit us Project at sorry VB.com. <laughs> there it is. There it is. So I my dude, this. ladies and I gentlemen, that is Project Serve. Tell me from 2017 all the way up to now, we're going close to five years, four if not four and a half. What are some of the things that you, as as far as the journey is concerned that you saw on the way, these this, this thing here, this thing there, as far as player development's concerned, uh, recruiting uh, other coaches in this, please walk us, take us through it. The floor is yours. 
Well, thank you so much, man. Well, first thing I got to say is that uh, <clears throat> so that video was extremely well done, uh, and I loved it. Um, that video itself, I believe, is from 2013, uh, a couple a couple of years before the NBL, or kind of when the NBL was just really starting to pop. And then uh, <clears throat> we've done a couple since then. Uh, to answer your question, man, like it has been such an unreal journey. I, I tell my closest friends, like. <laughs> Some days I wonder, like, if I would have known how hard it was really going to be, would I have stuck with it? Um, but it's, I'll, I'll do it to you like this. I'll bullet point for you. Number one, um, it's 100% completely strengthened my faith in God. I feel like all the cheesy, like, motivational videos and the, motivational speeches and things like people that like you talk to uh business coaches whatever and everybody says like stick with it like right when you're about to give up is the moment that you probably get about to break through you, you feel me on that and so it's like i got myself so i committed so hard into project serve that i never gave myself a plan b and so when, when the road got tough, and it's been tough a couple of times, so tough, in fact, and I, I know you feel this, so tough, in fact, that, like, I definitely, on, at two different times, like, started looking for other, other work. I started looking for other jobs. Not because I wanted to leave coaching, but because I just felt like I was, I was over-leveraged. I, I didn't have control over the animal, and I, I, there's no way that I could make this thing really make, make it work. And so um, every time that I have wanted to give up, every time that I wanted to like throw in the towel or sell or do something different, um, God has provided a miracle that has just been like, not like a, oh, here you go, like, mm, let's make it through. It's like, slap you on your face. You know, I've when I tell some of these stories, like, and I'm telling you like, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 different stories of miraculous things. And, you know, Austin's a great city, um, but this, you know, it's not a beach volleyball town. It wasn't when we started 10 years ago, you feel me? And so know. these different, these different miracles that have happened, people believing in the project, people supporting us financially, uh, people supporting us financially when we didn't necessarily deserve it or earn it, uh, people finding out about our mission uh, to create a safe, community-friendly, family-friendly uh, home for beach volleyball in North Austin. People, people that hear that and, and have come out of the woodwork completely like not deserving to me uh, uh, to help this program flourish, you know what I mean? So number one, it's strengthened my faith in God. Number two, it's strengthened my faith in myself. And I think, you know, I talk to a lot of pro beach players, man, and, 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 and the you and I come from the same world, right? So it's like, can you play professional beach volleyball and make a living? Not really in the United States, not, not, not in the current form, right? Uh, I think the internet and social media is helping for sure. Um, it's a platform, but it's a little bit of a shaky platform. Uh, can you coach and make a living? Absolutely. But 28, 29, 30, 31, 32 years old, you need to start either being a manager, an owner of a club, you need to start kind of working your way up the ladder so you can start making that lion's share. Otherwise, 
how long can you really just co- like coach full time and live four, five, six, eight dudes or, or you know people to a house that kind of thing, right? You got to be able to like not just survive, but you also want to thrive, right? So this business has really strengthened my faith in myself because like I, I told I just told the story yesterday, man. Like when I first started Project Serve, we were making three like two hundred and forty dollars a month. I used to charge like ten dollars per person and I had like twenty four people in my little my little incubator group. Two hundred and forty dollars a month. I, not ten dollars a session, ten dollars a month. <laughs> you feel me? Say so, <laughs> you know, you're out there just like whatever you can do, you know, and trying to hustle and just trying to like get people interested because in twenty ten there was no such thing as a beach volleyball coach in Austin, Texas, and in most of Texas, right? That's why in that video it says, you know, I'm the first USA high performance uh, certified coach in Texas. I was, but like, you know what I mean? You still, I went and got certified, but I can't. I, I came home and I had to hustle, right? Um, so just going from where we started to now being positioned out here at the domain, we've got a 12,000 square foot facility. Uh, it's one of the largest facilities in Austin. It's lit, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. It's located right in the middle of uh, domain, this like 90 acre miniature city in Austin, Texas. And it's just it's just such a blessing, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, you and me are very similar. Like, like if I told you like, there's no way you could figure out how to make a living selling, selling uh, cut up, volleyballs as hats you'd be like Shh, look give me a week <laughs> you know what I mean? like, you you know what i'm saying like people yes, can't give yes, you a sir. challenge that you don't want to conquer yeah. like you are the guy that's going to go conquer that challenge and so now i feel like i'm that way you feel me like this business is like it is required every piece of my creativity every piece of my faith every piece of my um ability to make and, 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 and uh, uh, maintain relationships. Every piece of my marketing degree that I earned over there at uh, Texas State University, like it's challenged me to the end. And so to be to the point where, you know, we're a financially viable company, we're able to employ people and, play, and pay well in our market. We're able to provide great services to our clients in our market. Like, and every day I, wait, I get to wake up and like, roll right out the door and go straight to the course. Like that's a dream, man. That's a dream come true. And then uh, number three, you talked about developmental. And we can we can kind of go back and forth on this, but like no, you've course. seen the game change. I've seen the game change. Um, I talk, you know, Casey is Casey Patterson is one of one of my closest friends and he's like we just share like so much love. He's got the same type of energy you do like just Every time we see each other, it's just high energy, it's passion, it's love, it's just all this kind of positive energy. And, it, you know, I tell them all the time, I'm like, yo, like, you have something that, like, 99.9.99999% of the population will never have, right? This, like, this, 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 like, ability to play the game as, like, one of the world's greats, one of the best in the, in the country, one of the best in the world at a time. Like, I don't have that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a strong player. I'm not a, an Olympian. I'm not a full-time AVP player. What I am is a, your sort of local pro, your local beach volleyball player who has now logged over 15,000 hours of coaching in the sand full-time since 2010. 
we were um you were talking about Casey Patterson and right. just like um um you playing to your strengths you were talking about playing to your strengths um like your local talent but but the difference but I think what kind of separates you is you put in a, a ton of uh, or like 1500 hours of oh. coaching and this and that and let me tell you something success or failure to quote Loki from Avengers I don't consider fair failure experience I consider experience experience <laughs> you know right. I would love for you to finish that third thought though because I there was something I wanted to say um for sure for in sure. regards so, to the things that the, 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 the three of us have yeah as 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 you as I've looked at the game um and you in 2010, we had to teach people everything about beach volleyball. What it is, where it came from, who are the gods of the sport, what's the professional league called, how do you find games on you? We had to educate everything. And then when juniors beach volleyball started at the college level, uh, or you know, for recruitment in 2011, we had to explain to the parents, what is beach volleyball? How is it going to help you? How is it going to translate back to indoor? We had to literally walk the path while we were laying each stone by stone by stone. And in Austin, Texas, that's real work, man. <laughs> it, was, it was literally, it, it was an emerging market, and I can't express how difficult that was, right? So now, 10 years later, 11 years later, now it's not, have you heard of beach volleyball? It's, do you play? How often do you play? What's your skill level? What types of tournaments have you entered? Your little sister played, great, cool. Your big sister played, awesome. Now people have a little bit more spherical knowledge of the game and it's, it's, a, lot more, it's a lot more dynamic. The game has evolved and I'll give you a perfect example, and you can chime in after this. The game has evolved from like, here's how you pass, and here's how you face your target, and here's how you articulate a roll shot. We want to roll the shot more than we swing the ball. You know what I mean? Like all this like rudimentary e explanation. Now we're running. All right, you know we're going to run this drill where we're optioning every single ball. We're going on one, or we're going on two every single ball. We're running zigzags. We're running you know, pin sets, up and down in the middle, quicks in the middle, quick backs, like at the juniors level, you feel me? So now it's like, now it's like Lincoln Logs. Now you're just putting things together versus like trying to invent this entire platform. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like inventing it as you're trying to teach it is, it, it was, it was so nuts. It was so nuts. How do you feel like, and I, and, and I, and I ask you this because you're in the hotbed, obviously, of like competition level. Everybody everywhere who thinks that they want to be great at the, at the game of beach volleyball says at some point, yo, I got to move to South Bay. I got to move to California. Why do you think that is? And why do you think the game, like, is, are you seeing the game consistently evolve out there as well? Are people running... Are we getting into like, are we speciating? Are we like, turning into different offenses, different, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you seeing that degree level go up? That's a very, very good question. And, um, and it's a loaded question. So allow me to, allow me to answer that one at a time. Um, people have been moving out here because it's been the hotbed and they're under the impression that iron sharpens iron. And that's been a time tested um, opinion generated by historical fact. 
Iron does sharpen iron. If all the talent's out here, you should train with these guys, this and that. That's drastically changing because now the because the art of the beach coach regionally has has gotten better and people are spending more time and junior clubs like project serves come and and um guys like me work who are working independent guys like jt livingstone you know who moves around pompeo who's like jose Loyola's coach he was also with endless songs yeah. with us for a little while um jeff samuels was uh, balancing his time with coaching and playing which has made him a tremendously good player <laughs> rob rob mclean one of the sharpest minds in a draw he moved from long island long beach to, to Long Beach. He moved from Long Beach, Long Island, then played for Long Beach City Long College. Beach. <laughs> <laughs> and and now he lives in um, Hermosa Beach or Redondo. Um, yes, people do move out here because of the premise of iron sharpening iron. But I will say this. Some of these guys get so good so fast. They think they get it off. They have it all figured out. And they don't think they need a coach because from... From neck down, they think they have people beat. So the difference, if people move out here and if they don't have a coach, they might as well have just stayed home. That's the only thing That's I want to say. That's literally the differentiator. And I'll, well, let's okay, come back to that. But yeah. Please I'll give you an example. Jake and Earl, uh, 2019, they tried to make the main draw like five times. And, you know, five, uh, fell five times. And Earl, Jake comes up to me. He's man, what the hell we got to do? You know, you, you worked with Rafu because I worked with Rafu. I did analytics that, that helped him, that helped him play better. He was playing with Kevin McCulloch at the time. But subsequently, yeah. he won with Ed, Ed Ratledge in San Francisco. So, yeah. so yeah. I came up to Jake, uh, Jake and Earl and I said, just get a coach. Because that's the same reason I said to you, to you just now, you little, you, you young freakers, you know, you, you, you think you got it all figured out. And... And um, this was my hook, and you're going to love it, because I said it last week doing a private with some adults. I said, look, Miles Partain, 15 years old, made his first main draw when he was 15 years old, the youngest player to ever do it, and with his brother, no less, who was 17 years old at the time. Um, last 2019, he finished Chicago fifth with Paul Lottman. So from this young kid just trying to get into the draw, he misses, he hits, he misses, he hits, he's in the draw. You know, his mom's still dropping in the games. Um, and I said this, and you're going to love this. Are there people in this group? Because I was talking to a group of people, and I talked to Jake and Earl about this the same way. I said, do both of you jump higher than him? Yeah. Do both of you hit harder than him? <laughs> yeah. Are both of you better athletes? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> but yet, there he is. And there you are. So right. now, you let that pause, and now they're listening to you. So the first part of your question, I'm, I'm going to wrap that up by saying, by saying the same thing I said in the beginning. Moving out here is pointless if you don't have a coach. Uh, which leads me to my second point. Women's volleyball becoming an NCAA sport uh, shifted the, the, and I'm only using this for women because men, I did, I gave them the speech on my um, other podcast um, about trickling up instead of waiting about waiting for the partnerships to trickle down, trickle up, cowboy up, get your own your own ash, which is going to lead me all the way back to you. I'm Kanye West style, trust me. Um, women's volleyball has become an NCAA sport. Yeah. Now it's a business. All the club sizes have tripled. Because even if a girl never plays volleyball again after college, it helped her get into the college she wants. And there is now there is some athletic scholarship money to go with some academic packages oh, yeah. where a girl doesn't oh. have to worry about money, right? We were talking oh, yeah. about her daughter Presley. Got you know, got a ride to Hawaii and then she, now she's at FIU. She transferred to FIU. They got some pretty good pretty good Brazilian coaches. 
Now, the women I don't have to give that speech to because this the generation of women you're coaching now and the girls who right. are two years older than them and the girls who are two years older than them and I'll dare say the girls who are two years older than them, I'll say yeah. six to eight year difference, has sent a silent message to all of the girls before them were coming. We're not oh, yeah. here to take part. We're here to take over. We're not here on the outside of the circle looking in. How can I be down? How can I be with you guys? We are taking over. Right now, you got yeah. April Ross and you got Climbing. They're up there. You got Betsy who's having a baby. Emily Day who could hit or miss. And then you got this group of savages. Uh, Maple and Kraft, 15 and 17 years old. Made, uh, we're in the quarterfinals at Hermosa Beach. Anyone whose last name is Norris, all right? The Norris twins right now finishing their, maybe they get a, a, a do-over at USC. They were freshmen. Twins, all right? 18, probably 19 years old right now. Um, yeah. Chrissy Jones. Uh, yes. One of Todd Rogers' uh, girls out of Cal Poly. Savage. Yes. These girls make all of these other girls who are in the bottom of the draw and these girls who are in the middle of the draw who are walking around, you know, their shoulder. Hey, nice game. They just walk by like you're trying to get with them. It makes all of those girls re-examine themselves. It makes no, but it doesn't that make all of those girls who who are who are so arrogant and bring so little to the table. But doesn't it make them examine? What are these girls doing differently? Why why are they better than me? I'm taller than them. I jump just as high. I I spend just as much no, time playing volleyball. Even, yeah, no. it's not even a, it's not even a quantum it's not even a quantifiable difference, bro. It's like when you get nobody nobody in the main draw eight years ago was training as hard as a Division One Cal Poly USC FSU. No, nobody, nobody was doing five days a week, two hours in the sand, two hours in the weight room, yep. expert video breakdown, expert coaching, seasonality. Look, look, look at Kristen uh, Nuss and Taryn Cloth. Look at Cloth and Nuss. Uh, LSU, they're, right now, it's, in my opinion, the, the, num the number one ranked team in the country, and I think Kristen Nuss is the number one uh, college player in the country, except for Tina Gradino, yes. if, she if she doesn't come back or she does come back from the Olympics or whatever. Um, Tina was uh, Dane Blanton's number one girl, but I think he lost her to the Olympics. But she's in L.A. right now training. But, but these girls went to 12 tournaments over the summer and won all 12, beating... Brees Scarborough and Aurora Davis, you know, a very respectable, formidable team. Be, uh, Kelly Kalinsky and um, Emily Stockman, who I, I nicknamed two Jack girls. 2-0. I mean, and I'm when I say beat, you watch this match. Me and you were coaches. We watch a match, and we know somewhere near the end of the, third, the first set who's going to win and how they're going to win. We know if someone's going to make adjustments, which will probably make you a good color commentator. We know... Uh, as coaches, what adjustments we would make by the technical timeout or between the first set and the second set. But you look at those girls, the way they were housing people, you just do this. Like, do they have a shot? You're like, no, no. It was like Ohio State playing Hawaii when Ohio State won the NCAA Men's Championship. Somewhere in the middle of the set, Soji sat down and just looked at the guy next to him and says, we're not winning. It was in the second set. They just they just said, nope. It's not going to happen. We're not going to. It's too we're dynamic. Not, we're not too winning powerful, this match. Too dynamic. Too, yeah. too unable to adapt. Yeah. yeah. Now, my third point, because I'm bring. I promised you I bring it all full circle because sometimes it looks like I'm saying things that ain't got nothing to do with nothing. The reason why you're shining right now and the reason you brought Casey Patterson up, and that's a great example because the one thing him, you, and, and in many instances me is have in common, to quote the Shawshank Redemption, some birds 
wings are too shiny to be caged. Some, when he broke out of a prison, you know, and everybody, they're talking about how he broke out of prison and this and that. And they're like, yeah. you know, we were glad to have him. But there are some birds, wings who are too shiny to be caged. For everybody listening in the podcast, listen to me, hear me, and I'm going to give the floor back to my dude because he's my guest. You can be on the outside looking in, trying to get into the circle. And, and some people, they desperately want that and they desperately need that. And that's cool, you know, because that's what they want out of life, right? Sure. But what's wrong, with, what's wrong with creating your own? What's wrong if you are that type of personality? I'm not trying to say you're a type of person because you're very freaking special and you're very unique and there's no two Bobby Jones. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and name maybe, yeah, but, <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> But you are the kind of person that creates your own circle. And, and, and now you coexist with a circle that you may or may not have been outside looking in. Um, and whether you care enough to be outside looking in, you, do you care or did you, did you care? Do you care now? All of those are questions, the fact that you as an individual, I cannot take the liberty of answering for you. But Casey Patterson? He was on Casey Jennings podcast and you know what Casey Jennings asked him he says would you would young Casey Patterson let this this Casey Patterson this age beat him he said hell no <laughs> that's why I needed to give the male volleyball players the speech and and I didn't yeah. need to give the female volleyball players the speech because the female volleyball players the generation of girls all the way down to the girls you are coaching right now as we speak you yeah. probably just came from them are, yeah. have sent the silent message on their own. We're coming yeah. for your lunch money. We're coming yeah. for you and we're taking your lunch money. But the reason why, the, the secret behind your success is some bird's wings are too shiny to be caged. You have a circle, you know, and, and now God has blessed you. Hallelujah, God has blessed you because now you put yourself in a position where like, hey, this is Project Serve. You're either interested and, and you're not, or you're not. And if you're not, that's cool. Because before, someone not being interested really hurt your bottom line. And that's, yeah. dude, you want to talk about something me and you have in common? I mean, I just because I want to do business with someone doesn't mean I'm trying to be down with them. I'm, I just, you know, we're just doing business. I mean, if someone wants me to coach them, I coach them. If someone wants me to commentate, I'm commentating. But I'm not going to be like what I got to do to be down. That's not That's not how my DNA's built. And I, you want to talk about your success? Your success. And this is for everybody listening because they can all relate. Before you have this path to get where you got to go, that moment before, you are always rock bottom. <laughs> you are at rock bottom where you're like, can this be any worse? And I think I want to quit. And that's what God has a fun. And we keep, we, this is a God podcast because God has a funny way of making you live in that whale's belly. You know, even after you get the point, even after you get the point, yeah. you, you, as a way of making you live in that belly, you know, and I went. Yeah, I hear you, Dude, man. my favorite line I told Kelly, my, the love of my life, you know what I told her after 12 months here? I said, if you want to kill me, because I thought living in L.A. was a great idea because I took New York coaching as far as I could go. You know, Final Four, <laughs> high school championships, Madison Square Garden gave me coach of the year, you know, 2014. Um, so I took it as far as I could go. But when I moved out here a year in, I said, if you want to kill me, take me back to Brooklyn and kill me. Don't let me die here in the desert like a goddamn snake 
Yeah, you know, that's that's how bad it got for me. Dude, that's how oh, bad it oh, got yeah. for me. You know, but yeah. I'm, but guess what? I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. 2019 was a good year for me. I got to coach Jake and Earl. We had that conversation. I coached them yeah. at Hermosa Beach. They got into the main draw. Uh, nice. their, their first one, nice. you know, and then um, they got with P1440 and they yeah. haven't gotten in since. But in their defense, I mean, Chicago, they had to play Theo Brunner and John Hyden to get in. And that's just a t- that, that is an unfair. Come on. Now, what kind of draw is that, dude? Right. And I mean, you got to face Diaz and, and um, the other guy from the Cuban team uh, at Huntington yep. Beach to get in. You know, we caught a break because friend and, and um, Kyle friend and um. Budinger got outed, so I'm like, guys, we're the we're the eighth seed. If there's any, if you don't get in now, you're just you just didn't play this point. This there is no better time to qualify than right now, <laughs> and and they did so. But that's do you get what I'm saying? Do you, do you ask the question? And I really hope I didn't just go on this whole whatever and be like, Jay, you never answered my question. <laughs> but I yeah. think I did. I think yeah. I did. I think I think it's an evolution. I think you think about it in two different ways. We'll talk about player evolution just to sum it up. Mm-hmm, player please. evolution number one. Uh, you talked about women. It's generational now. The impact of juniors beach volleyball. The impact of collegiate beach volleyball. It's generational now. Uh, it's not that they're having to make any sort of statement. It's that the statement is already existing. It are it already is in the thread of their existence now as AVP professionals. And my heart goes out to these ladies that are 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, that are out of college. Maybe they they just missed the bubble of like not getting to play in college, having to kind of figure the game out on their own. And now they're having to figure out finances and how do I train and how do I organize my life and my my, um, schedule around training to be in a, to stay at an elite level not only to get there but to stay there you feel me and so that is a completely different um geno genotype than the male game out there where uh it's always been about pride and ego and then at 28 29 30 you start to actually fall in love with the game and then by 35 36 you you see the game so well but now you're battling time, family, life, physicality, vertical yeah, job. You got to get structured, man. You got to have that planner. Two hours for here, two hours there. My kid's here. You know, two hours. I mean, trust me, dude. Yep. Yep. And yeah. and the coaches don't even have to be star coaches. Think about who Phil and Nick had. They have um, Lockheed, right? Does Lockheed have yeah. more beach experience than either one of those guys? No. It's It's more about fresh eyes. And I'm not saying have a bad coach, but it's it's about having someone who's who sees the court from the outside in and and who's putting in the honest That's to God work. Place. You know that which is why I use Lamborn as a prime example, right? You know they're like, oh, yeah. he's an Olympian. He he's not a good coach because he's an Olympian. He's a good coach because he put in he he saw what he what needed to be done for him to be a good coach. So that's exactly. and, and and it goes comes right back to you. You know, right back to you because when when I trained with Rafa and Kevin, I knew very little about the beach. You know, Kevin yeah. McCulloch and Rafa, I knew very little about the beach, you know, uh, but I was already a coach. I was a 19 year coach before I decided yeah. to, to, do, to do beach uh, full time. For sure. You know, for sure. And, uh, no, man, I appreciate you bringing it back. And, I, and honestly, it's such a huge compliment and such a, a, it's such a blessing to, to, for you to even ask me to be on your podcast, man. I, I went through and I saw your Rolodex of like everybody that you the lineup, yeah. 
Why are you why are you interviewing little, little me, man? I like but, interesting people. Um, I like but, interesting people. I appreciate that. And and what I what I do want to kind of I think what I just want to say to the to the audience and listening, anybody listening is is um, you might have heard it a thousand times before, but I'll, I'm living proof that if you have uh, a vision, as you called it earlier, if you have a vision of what your life is supposed to look like, like a, a Christian in, in the church, we call it having a calling on your life. If you feel like you have a calling on your life, I felt like my calling was to, to um, kind of be a shepherd for young people. I felt like um, I had a lot of great mentors and leaders when I was a kid. And so that came very naturally. I wanted to kind of give that back to the younger generations. Um, and then, you know, you talk about like inside the circle, outside the circle, volleyball wise. Um, man, I was just so fortunate when I was younger, when I met you, and I was, you know, signed with Ford Models. I was working with Nike. I was working with Target. I was working with all these um, these great companies um, on the artistic side and the marketing side um, as as a, a commercial actor and a model and all that stuff. Man, I just saw that like it didn't really matter how good you were at a thing, volleyball, business, life. If you just believed in yourself and had a calling, had a purpose like in there and you weren't afraid or you hadn't been like, a lot of us have those sort of like, shout out Brene Brown. A lot of the, a lot of us have those wounds that we're kind of like, that we get when we're younger or what are from our upbringing, um, wounds that we carry forward into life. And we just, we don't let our light shine for whatever reason. And now we're, working a desk job or now we're working for this person's vision, not our own vision. Um, and regardless of your professional job, if you feel like you have a calling on your life to just be a great person, to just be a light, to just be positive to other people, to just be uh, uh, a shoulder for somebody else to cry on, whatever it is, whatever your calling on your life is, if you let that light and you let that thing lead your way into every conversation, um, like you and so many of our, our friends, you know, our close friends do, um, you can sit at the table with anybody. Yeah. You yep. can sit at the table and look eye to eye with anybody. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, project service giving me an ability to take care of my daughter, provide for my family, yep. uh, inspire people here locally, inspire people of color, uh, you know, black Latino owned big businesses. Been, yeah, that's been a big deal for me the last year and a half. If you talk about the lineup of people I had in my podcast, I mean, Dane Blanton, Greg Faulkner, uh, Carl France, who's the assistant coach at NYU, um, Eric, yeah. and, Eric Anderson, um, Gigi yeah. Lucas, who's a professional surfer who is now promoting awareness to, to recruit young black girls to surf. She's 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 promoting uh, aware. I mean awareness for young black girls. I have been. If you look at my lineup, like my last fifteen guests, I think ten of them were African American. You know, for volleyball, what for beach volleyball? Come on, yeah. shut the front door. <laughs> I mean, yeah. look, Jeff Alzina had a tan, so I thought I I, I included them as one of them <laughs> brothers or whatever. And I said, nah, I can't. Doubt. I wait. That's not he eleven black people. That's Jeff ten. That's that. that's ten yeah. black people. Jeff that's Jeff Alzina. But I like but, uh, that you said that because for me, listen, uh, um, um, activism 
what was it? Symbolism is one thing. Activism is another. If you do, I'm not saying go out there with on, on, the, on the picket lines. I'm not saying go out there and protest if that's not your thing. If you have something, the, a special ability to do something that allows you to contribute, mine is the gift of gab podcasting and bringing them, bringing them, giving them a platform. Fallon for number one, I went off, dude, <laughs> you know, about social justice, yeah. which, yeah. and she didn't even want to do it. It's just that I, I had a conversation and she couldn't help it. And I'm like, I got her. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, she identifies with being African American. She has Samoan heritage, but you know, sure. um, me as but, I came, I came out of the womb of a black of a black woman, and in many ways, I um, more ways than than not, I identify with being black. You know, I grew up on Flatbush Avenue. Oh, I mean, of course. I mean, you know, we, I don't even think I saw a white person until I was like thirteen. <laughs> you know, so so I really I really like that. I really like that. I didn't mean to interrupt you because I just went off on on that whole African American thing. It's, it's well, a it's a thing. I don't, I don't think it's a uh, I don't think it's a situation where it, it needs to root into any causes. I think it's a situation where it is time for people to see like what it is that they can offer the world and then go off go go give it to the world. And um, man, it, you know, I kind of I think I'll, I'll close with like that kind of maybe that one thought is just like getting getting out of that that, that like survival mode mindset like when i met you in new york bro it was like we were check to check dudes man backpack, like schedule gnarly we're in the trenches where where i'm going six auditions a day training at central park eating sleeping competing on the weekends like I've just been in it for so long that I started, I think I, that I started to like pers personify or present myself as kind of a tight ass and like not like a super friendly character because like my father was an entrepreneur. I'm the great, great grandson of a slave. I'm a second generation American on my mother's side, uh, Mexican American. like there were so many people counting on me to be better and do better that I just, a lot of times I just shut my mouth and, I, and put my glasses on and put my hoodie on and I was just in it. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think, you know, you can identify with that just being so focused on a purpose and a plan that I kind of pushed people away and I kind of felt like, uh, I never felt like I was more important than anybody else. Would you say I detached? I gave that vibe off, you feel me? Yeah. Because as those things were so important to me and I didn't want to waste any time, you know, trying to um, accomplish my goals, I think that I, I had, I definitely sacrificed like some of my personal relationships and such. And the, the thing that I want to like, I think give to the audience is like, if you're in that space where you're so in the haze that you can't see what, like I couldn't see that I wasn't really giving my gifts. I wasn't really like sharing my gifts. I was being this other caricature of myself because I felt like I needed to just stay in it and stay plugged in and dialed in so much. So if you're out there and you're hustling or you're in your job and you're in it, in it, and you're like living it and you're breathing it, bringing it back to you full circle. 
Make sure that you're getting some you time. Make sure that you're balancing with prayer, meditation, whatever your thing is for me. And you, you asked this before we got on the air, but I didn't tell you what mine was. My recharge station is in the woods. It's camping. It's taking my daughter and getting lost in the woods. Okay. <laughs> like looking at the Eagles play, like I got like that. That's my thing. So if I go away for two or three days and ain't nobody here from me and I'm not on social media and I come back. You off the grid. Oh, if I'm if the, the more the more I smell like campfire, the better mood I'm gonna be in when I yeah. get back. Yeah, good. Thank God, because when you said in the woods, I'm like, man, he better he better explain himself. Hey, what? <laughs> it's like I went to the woods and what did I see? What'd you see, Jay? Nine dead coyotes. Bobby Jones <laughs> effed up nine coyotes. Oh, pop, pop. No, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know. Nine dead coyotes. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just trying. I don't mean to make the mood light because that was really step. That was what you what you just said was serious business. It's ser- I, I uh, got personal. It. Yeah, I got it's serious that, personal man. business. I got. I got to promote that. I got to promote the fact that like everybody has a superpower. Every person out there has something that they can either help lead, inspire, or care about somebody else in the community, and like. If you're not exploring that, and again, it's, you know, different strokes for different folks, but like, if you're not exploring that, it's going to lead to agitation and anxiety and, and pain on your own side. And if you are trying to explore that, but you're so wrapped up or lost in the business of it, like you talked about creating a business around your passion. Now you've, 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 you've started to zap the sunlight out of that thing too. And it's like, you do have to stay balanced. Make sure that you have your thing. Mine is camping that you can go do that thing and come back to your passionate work and function like a mammal and function like a mammal. (laughs) Have your eyes wide open, have your soul wide open, have your heart wide open because the blessings are out there, man. The blessings are absolutely out there if you truly feel a calling towards a thing. Definitely, 100%, dude. Um, I really like that. Oh, I'm, I'm tears, man. I was about to cry, man. You son, you, you son of a bit. You son of a bit, man. <laughs> you son of a bit. Um, talk, let's get back to volleyball so I could, <laughs> I could function now. Um, teaching adults versus teaching children what are some of the major challenges and we both we both coach adults and we both coach kids what are some of the major challenges that adults have to uh, face as far as receiving coaching and you you as a coach that you have to give adults uh, on a different level than you do your kids Meaning, um i think I think I don't think that there's one one is tougher than the other. I think they're different, uh, and I think that once you're tooled to handle both uh, demographics, you can really just kind of like let your gifts shine in either area. You have to understand that adults uh, who can afford to pay for volleyball training are probably uh, most likely good at their job, successful at whatever industry they're at. So give them that due respect. Uh, try to find out what industry or what thing that they do well 
so that you can like start to speak to them in their language using euphemisms and stuff that they understand as you're relating their movements to volleyball movements. And then ultimately everybody does really well, juniors and adults, when you create a construct, create the rules, like make a promise and then deliver the promise. So like, Hey, we're going to well, do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. This is how, these are the rules inside of X, Y, and Z. And then once you take everybody through it, you recap, this is what we did X, Y, and Z. Everybody loves that because there's a start, a middle, and yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it, it does in a sense as far as similarities are concerned. The same approaches, okay. you're structured, you're there and that. Of course, there's yeah. a different differentiation in, in um, regions where out here, um, the kids can afford the training because the parents, you know, the, the parents, it's the best training money can buy. And, and you know, Hermosa Beach or Redondo, Manhattan Beach, it's it's basically the bubble, you know, where, where you know, when I, I was asking, I was like, how much should I charge? I was just like, dude, <laughs> you definitely charge kids more than you do adults. Some of these, because a lot of these adults, like you said, they move here to train and, and maybe they're waiting tables at night and they don't, they aren't, they aren't successful at what they do. Okay, they don't have around. a career, they have a job, around. you know, but yeah. no, Oh, but I appreciate your similarities as far as structure is concerned. They have a responsibility and the kids are learning the responsibility. Me, I think technically, go ahead. No, you go. Yes. No. So I, I see where you're coming from now. Mm -hmm. So in our demographic, we have a vast majority that are working professionals who are coming as a pastime. I think you were referencing coaching up and coming players to play at a, at a high level. Mm -hmm. That is almost... <laughs> That has so many different like Colors. pitfalls in it. it. It's it's almost dangerous. It's it's almost dangerous it, it, from from a a light standpoint. It's like number one, you have gifted athletes who were obviously gifted or good at something somewhere along the way, and that's why they had enough confidence to even try the sport. AKA ego, right? You have a little ego maybe working. Number two, like you said. A lot of adults, for whatever reason, people who have leveraged like free time in their life to be able to play volleyball at a high level, don't typically have a lot of money. So now you're working almost to try to like help a guy you like, help a couple of gals that you like, they live down the block and you, you see them working real hard, you wanna help them out, or um, they squeeze together a little bit of money, it's not really worth your time, but it's like, hey, let's do this. I'm invested. I like you guys. I want to see you be successful. And then thirdly, another pitfall can be your style of coaching may not speak to them. And then, you know, as well as I do how small the community is, because once if they have a bad session with you or they go to a tournament and whatever didn't transfer along the way and they have a poor experience, it, like, it's just like in any business, you know, in, in, in the free market, it's like, if you have one unsatisfied customer, they're going to go, they're, they're the ones that are going to go tell 10 people. People who have a great experience are only going to tell like two people for whatever reason, uh, you know, in humanity. So um, I feel like technically, and I think you would probably agree with this, adults kind of get stuck into habits faster or they've been in a habit for so long that yep. they feel as successful that to break them of that habit, you either need to come at them with a really like direct speak to them hard. You need to come with heavy duty credentials that say like, Hey, 
I know what I'm doing, listen to me, or you got to say something so profound in that first, you know, session that they go like, whoa, I've never thought about that. And then they implement it and it works. And then hopefully, because, right, you're trying to build trust the entire time. That's 100%. all you're trying to build yeah. trust, build trust. And then you're like, I don't want to overstate it. I already said it five times. You're not really getting your feet to the ball. You're hitting the top tape. But I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to overload you. But you really need to listen to me. But I don't want to be a. I don't want to be a. You know, a, 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 an ass about it. But like, you really need to listen. You know what I mean? So there's all that like push and pull because when an adult, you know, an up and coming AVP player gives you that money and that hard earned money, they're like, dude, like. You need to, you know, it's it's a partnership. It's it's partner A, partner B, and then the coach, partner C. Do you agree with it? With that, one hundred percent. I think the conflicting forces of adults and juniors is um, juniors is developing good habits, and and sometimes with adults who have who have had previous playing experiences, breaking down. Um, uh, getting rid of old habits. Uh, right. There, um, I'll give you an example of maybe a bad training habit that you as a coach have to make a decision and dialogue with your client. Um, I have a juniors player that's a goofy foot. All right. Goofy foot for the people listening at home. You you have a left-handed approach and you're hitting with your right hand. Um, and I'll, I'll start with juniors, but then, and then I'll soar straight to adults, uh, Bobby. The earlier the age, the more you want to fix that because they're they're getting into a muscle memory a technique on how they want to approach the ball going into their jump and going into their swing so if they get better at doing it the wrong way that's all they identify with and then they're goofy foots and by the time they're adults and by the time if you catch them a decade later you kind of have this decision to make like do i change do do i do i encourage them to change their steps or do i just take these steps and say hey listen as long as they straighten up their approach and they're going straight up Okay, you can do it. I'll give you an example. Um, Tino Gradina, um, who we were just talking about, best player in the, uh, top two player in the country for college, goofy foot. Phil Dahlhauser, um, Olympic gold mm-hmm. medalist, um, lefty mm-hmm. approach, goofy foot. Um, Andre Samuelos, the Lion King, uh, goofy foot. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, who else? Karch Karai, when he played indoor, he was, yeah, he was interchangeable. He, he, yeah. he, if you watch the video, I watched him play in 1984, the gold medal match, where, by the way, you were allowed to block a serve. That was watch, watch the third play of the game. I'm like, did, did someone blow the play dead? Craig Buck is just tipping it in the air for his team to cover. Is he, is he retarded? Yeah. You know, but, um, <laughs> apologize. Okay. Okay. You know, what I'm talking about, I'm, uh, but, um, so as adults who have been doing it for so long and maybe where their coaches fail them because they're so athletic, they're only watching from the waist up. They're watching just this ridiculous high reach and they're not watching their approach. You, we Especially coaches, the more athletic the person, the, the more athletic the kid is yeah. that has the goofy footed approach. If you don't know how to, t- if you don't know how to walk them through the weight transition piece of the footwork, mm-hmm. You're just going to like, you're, and if you're just a short-sighted coach and you're just saying like, this kid can jump through the roof, she's going to hit around any block, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Even by the time that kid gets to college, mm-hmm. it's going to be But Bobby, if you're a traditionalist Nazi too, that can work against the personality as well, right? Like if I take Phil on as, if let's say I'm Phil's coach, right. I'm not going to, I'm not yeah. going to be like Phil. You need to change your steps, dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, Tina Gradina, 
had a decision to make and Dane and her worked for a little bit and she was doing a traditional approach for some of her jump serves but then went back to the goofy foot and Dane is like oh this you know defies biomechanics and I don't know how but I, I guess I'm just gonna leave it she has success in fact she's going to the Olympics she's representing Latvia all right because while everybody was having fun in Hawaii in the AVP she was in Tokyo um, representing Latvia and winning so now she's going wow. now Dane Dane most likely I don't know if that she's gonna still play for him and then go to Tokyo sure. but Dane lost sure. his best player to the Olympics <laughs> a goofy foot so but and Dane and I had a conversation about biomechanics and what studies show versus just sure. good old fashioned volleyball experience and yeah. he didn't get what I was talking about and and it was my honor duty and privilege to educate him uh, on on something that he he might have already known but no doesn't but again we walk away and disagree but but neither one of us are wrong and neither one of us are right I told him at the end of the day more often than not especially for the sport of volleyball the real scientists are us the coaches you can read a study on biomechanics and why elbow back and elbow forward is better than this and but then you have to put it all on this study if you're if you're saying studies a show what you're doing is you're citing a pretext that that is your foundation and then when you examine the study you know what happens it's like, is the study for beach players? Uh, no, it's indoor. But it's for the men, right? We're talking about men. No, it's actually a women's team. Is it like a D1 team? No, it's D Division Two. Is it a 16-person a roster? It's only nine. So how long do you do the study? Do you do the study for five weeks? Uh, no, six days. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. Did studies show what? Kiss, you know, go kick rocks, you know, and I don't mean that. I mean, I mean that yeah. in a playful way. So yeah. sometimes biomechanics come into it and you have to apply that as a coach and you understand the science and you understand for the generation why, if they understand the why, they're more productive. But I always say, <laughs> but I always say that that's their weakness too. If they don't understand the why they're not productive think, and sometimes have to, you have to mix have that to old school you sometimes you have to mix that old school uh trust that comes with experience you know i agree Go ahead. I, I i agree with that but i also i also have to disagree because i feel yeah, like I'm here with dane <laughs> shoot, shoot. Go ahead. well no I, I would have to disagree with the with, with the fact that the onus of of verbally articulating the biomechanical physiological changes that a coach wants to see a player make that coach the onus is on the coach who is suggesting the change in technique right to not only not only be able to articulate verbally every piece of the movement right so if a technique is a compilation of mechanics then you need to be able to have verbiage for every single one of the mechanics so that it, it fits seamlessly into your technique. And then you need to be able to teach that for both right-handed, left-handed, and goofy-footed players. Not only that, but the, if you're gonna even say the word, yo, biomechanics, then you need to be able to talk about shifting, pushing through, dissipating force, ramping up, penultimate steps, you need to actually be able to articulate why they need to change that thing. And then the yield, the better translation or transference of energy off the ground or their ability to add 
an increased reach for the passing. What is this extra step or this extra twist or this extra knee drive or this extra awareness or putting the heel out in front or the whatever? What are these biomechanical changes going to yield for me and why? And the, and the big thing is, it's not just the onus on the coach. It's that you really have to, like you said, bring it back to your point. If I'm the guy claiming that I'm an authority and I've talked to this person and that person, this person, that person, and I have this thing that I feel like, and this is true for me because with 15,000 hours of coaching, there's some damn solid truths that I know that I just know because biomechanically being trained in track and field as a discipline for 17 years and then getting into beach volleyball after that, subsequently, I can talk to a player about a 90 degree knee drive in their, in their penultimate going into their step close as the most efficient way to continue linear horizontal force into their takeoff, into their step close. I know exactly. But, but that's because your study is already vetted. <laughs> your studies are already vetted by personal experience and and yeah. this because that's what biomechanics is it's the study of repetitions uh practiced and this and to see what works and what does not work that's what st a study is uh, and, as, and as long as you 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 have a big sample size and as long as you have the experience uh through that and as long as you understand the lurking variables uh yeah. um, this and that it just makes you a more productive coach for sure for yeah. sure now I, I i do i think that there's I think that there needs to be the authority. Uh, there needs to be an authority. There needs to be, if you're going to say like uh, Wayne Holly, like one of my best buds out in the, in the collegiate uh, world, he's doing amazing things for the beach world and literally is probably one of the foremost like scientific minds. Like he, him and I had so many conversations when I was first getting started because yeah. I was just like, what do you, what, what kind of data do you have on this? What kind of data do you have on the honest way? What kind of data do you have on on how large the backswing should be? Uh, is there uh, data showing that the guide on needs to stay up throughout the entire field? Like all these mechanical levers and forces types of questions, and he had answers for a lot of it, and he didn't have answers for some of the other stuff. And and that was the interesting thing, where I do feel like there are some really solid mechanical truths that we could maybe publish studies on but until somebody feels it and they understand like a lever of change and a, a lever of transference of, of energy through the ball and articulation through the ball they're not going to believe in it and and honestly again to your point that's why you need a coach that's why you need lots of input and feed forward I think, you know, from vetted sources, obviously, but like, if you've got a, a you know, one of my biggest sort of like uh, feathers in my cap that I, I didn't intend, I've never intended to have this feather in my cap. But as we, as I asked a lot of questions and I became a better coach, it just sort of happened. We've signed a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the girls who have graduated the Project Serve Beach program. There's not one girl who has stayed with me all the way through her high school career who has said to me that she wants to play beach volleyball in college, who has not gone on to play for a Division One or a Division Two school. It just hasn't happened. You're leading the now, nation now. You're the new nation's leader. I, I'm Recru not, I'm recruitments not that per that capita. 
Yeah. I'm not always, yeah, I'm not going to say that's always going to be the case. I'm telling you right now, for the last seven years, we signed the very first two kids out of Austin, Texas, ever. Mm-hmm. The first two kids ever out of Austin, Texas, and we haven't stopped since. Now, we don't have the biggest club. We don't have the most, like, bells and whistles. Don't, don't need to. But, but the thing that I – the thing that I always stress to the parents is you need a coach. You need somebody to show you and guide you through the playing career, not just for recruiting, but how do you pick up a partner? How do you talk to partners? How do you get partners to like you? How do you, how do you converse? You know what I mean? Like, well, that's, how do you become a better human? That goes beyond the physical. Yeah. That is definitely the yeah. hookup. How, yeah, it's, it's X-factor stuff. How do you become more confident in your delivery, asking people to play, emailing college coaches? Hell, standing up to your indoor coach and telling them that you want to pursue beach volleyball and not indoor volleyball at the collegiate level. There's all those difficult conversations that if you can tool them with strong communication on the court and outside the court, obviously, that mentorship you're creating great humans again and again and again. It kind of comes back to that calling, you know what I mean, that most of us have yeah. as coaches. And the cool thing is it's we're, it allows us to continue to be teachers and students of the game. Like the way – like if a girl pursues a ball and just gives up on a pursuit, there was a way I would talk to that girl 10 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. 15 years ago. <laughs> and, and, and there's a way I would talk to that girl now, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you because you because you know me back then. I'm gonna be like, well, that's how that's how all of us. Do. Yeah, I'm gonna be like, hey, okay, you ain't gonna die for that ball. You know what? Everybody else gonna die. hold on to this ball. They paying for it. But but no. But I'll give you an example. Um, a couple of years ago, I was with Endless Summer. Um, 2019, by the way, we we led the nation in like commitments per capita, and we were only like a 22 person group. You know, when I when I was with them, um, and there was a girl example the same example i just gave you pursuing the ball and i'm like all right that ball looked kind of far didn't it you know and everyone's listening because i stopped practice i didn't huddle everybody in but i'm like okay that's fair let's say you go for it what's the percentage what are the chances that you touch that ball what are the chances i see zero to 100 percent. give me a number and i'm like what like 20%, she's like more like 15. More like 15? Wait, 15? Yeah. What about 16? 16? No. Nah. 16? We could do 16? She's like, fine, 16. And I'm like, cool. Now, with that being said, what is the percentage chance if you don't go at all? It's zero. Play your freaking numbers. <laughs> Play your freaking percentages. <laughs> so... So that's the new Jason. That's one of those things where I could still have a personality and, and, and come down on her a little bit. But it was one of those things like zero to 15. Yeah, sure. You know, and, you know, and, and the coolest thing is she's in a tournament. And then some of these ridiculous plays that look impossible. She goes yeah. through the motion what we call courtesy dives as adults. I mean, we, we tease each other. Nice courtesy role. I know you didn't want to, but you dived or just to make it, make it look like you were going out for your boy, right? But then she's yeah. out there and then boom, it comes up and it comes back. And I'm like, ooh, looks like your percentage went from 15 to 50 on that. And now your first step and your confidence and your twitch reaction of things, how things are supposed to be uh, in a real game is 
was the result of implemented good training habits. And like you said, just conquering these little demons from the neck up, you know? But very, well, very good analytical about, about the adults versus yeah. children thing. Let's, Sorry, go ahead. Let's never forget that coaching, the first rule of coaching is, and I think it's, I think it's incredibly true in volleyball, indoor and beach volleyball. It's incredibly important to remember that yelling, yelling is not coaching and yelling is a tool is like the most widely used tool for bad coaches yelling not yelling to yell and motivate but like yelling at a player i think the first thought that needs to go through your mind as a coach is how could i have designed this drill to organically pull out that hustle the light the um the internal urgency the internal investment of the player whoever it is if you're yelling it's most likely it's not a bad thing but it's most likely because the drill that you designed did not encompass enough carrots on a carrots on a string enough intrinsic rewards it didn't it didn't start at a level conducive to the level of the athlete it didn't start with um, a, a leverage of fun or importance or points or gold stickers or whatever the hell your thing is. You didn't you didn't package that right, homie. You, know, you feel me on that? Yeah, yeah, and and and, 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 it's, and for girls volleyball that rings. And for girls volleyball that rings so much more truer. You know, the whole psychology of women perform better through through camaraderie and sisterhood, where guys perform better through like leadership, that whole that whole well, thing oh that, that that is yeah. so men more often than not, that's so true. And there are guys out there, and I was one of those guys for a long time, like I'm like, okay, I just can't coach girls. I, I can't, I, I mean, damn, there's something to be said about someone that does everything I ask and they still suck, you know? <laughs> but but I had to just learn the generally accepted philosophy of, of understanding the players I'm coaching. And I'm just using gender as an example, but we, if we as coaches, we can delve deeper if we want, and we're probably not going to, but we can definitely get into the acute nature of that and apply that to, girls and boys men and women adults and children um right all of that dude so so yeah, yeah that's was, that was a great question man i, I really liked i really like breaking down the difference um, just blew my mind man i'm i'm, I'm getting taken to school here I'm getting, I'm getting a good a good education on this man yep well i i, I love you man i appreciate you and i appreciate it's the, the literally i think i saw you your second week in la uh, like an nbl or something i saw you immediately after you got to la and you told me that you had moved there. I was so happy that you were there. And immediately you were filming matches, breaking down film for people, hustling, getting your name out there, doing, and you always, you never, you're never a taker. You've always been a guy who is going to give first and then see what comes out of it. And yeah. so uh, I appreciate that, man. I do it and, for the uh, people, <laughs> truly. Yeah, you, you really do. I think, I think, I think that's, that's one of the things that kind of bonds us, man, is that you're, you're doing it for the right reasons, and uh, it's it's get it's way past dinner time over here, so I'm gonna have to wrap soon. 
But if I wanted to give you that preface so that like if you want if you had like one more nugget you wanted to try to squeeze out of well, this beautiful one more no. Well, I got two things to say. One, you got to come back on. That's all that means, okay? This is episode <laughs> 74. Maybe maybe, I, maybe when all this dies down, maybe episode 100, maybe you and Jeff Samuels come in studio, you know, and we all just have Sean Ladig. Sean Ladig. Maybe just all of us. Maybe Jeff all of us. While we were on the phone. <laughs> What's that? What was that? Jeff just hit me up like he just texted me while we were doing the call, man. You He's, did? Tell him. <laughs> Oh, I'm right there, man. You, wanna, yeah. you, you, you know what? Is he on that? Uh, oh, you're using your phone right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I was yeah. going to say, just call him. We're going to call him. <laughs> call him right now. But but no, nah, I ain't going to do Next it. Time. Gonna, Next time, we're going to light him up, okay? Oh, but yeah. that was one oh, thing yeah. I was saying. Listen, full, come full circle. Sean Ledig was like, I can't wait to get in studio where we could just have a drink at the table and we could do this like a real yeah. podcast. Um, yeah. This pandemic has helped me because through Zoom now, you don't have to fly in LA to do this. You know, my sure. my infectious disease spe specialist, my doctor or whatever, don't have to fly in for this. Jason, Jason Olive, is, if he's in Hawaii, why you know he does that so you know dane 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 can stay at the office and you know in south bay and yeah. do this so um um the second thing is when you put on event and an event the size of like bvne when you're ready to do something big call me and i'll call some i'll call the semis and finals i'll i'll drive i'll ride down there and i'll do it i'll i'll, cool. I'll do it I'll, I'll just do it for you cool. okay i just I like think it'll it. be good you know just for me thank you you know this Thanks and that, but, i love it yeah yeah so listen plug people into this your site for people that want right. to get to know more if anyone wants to know about more about projects listen, damn i had a video yeah. of you and chris ships up man and chris ships throwing Bro. up okay <laughs> i'm taking like an hour to win this match I, we can't do that right now i'm not doing that right now <laughs> that's the whole dude that's the whole other episode come hold on, on. Hold, on, hold, on, hold on hold on all right you got that yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put down the iron yeah. shirt. <laughs> so plug in uh, project, pro, um, right. project so serve. We are absolutely like um, in mission. We're missional right now about putting out uh, strong uh, educational content on our IG page. Uh, so that's at project serve VB. Um, I'm teaming up. Can't say too much, but I'm definitely teaming up with pros and we're putting together some like really strong nuggets. Casey's definitely involved with that. Got some other guys involved with that. Um, here locally, again, I don't know it all and I don't ever claim to. I just feel like you should have like uh, uh, all the knives in the tool belt. You feel me? Like it, it, the more information you have, the better player you're going to get. And I've got a lot of information to share. Um, if they tune into my Instagram, we're also uploading some of the same educationals to YouTube. Uh, you can just search that Project Serve Beach. Um, we're on Facebook at Project Serve Beach. If you're ever in the Austin area and you want to get plugged in for pickup games at any level, A, Open, B, Double B, Co-Ed, Rec, whatever, hit us up. Austin's got ever, some talent. If you're ever in town and you, need, you just need court space, you want to come out and you want to get some drill work in, whatever, whatever, we have courts for rent. If you want to come in town for a tournament, check out our, our website, projectservevb.com, and you can check that out. Um, if you ever want to fly in, drive in, bus in, have your grandma drop you off and come get some, some coaching from a little dude out in Austin, Texas, come and see me. My specialties include the approach 
uh, ball contact, uh, shot placement, shot location. Um, follow through. Yep. Follow through exactly. And if and you got honestly, K- if you like, working with KC, you definitely gotta oh, get that. You gotta get that Mikasa ball, man. You can, you know you gotta do it all the way to get that Mikasa ball from that exactly. luff balloon. Exactly. <laughs> all right, so that's it. Was that your plug? That's and, and, and you know what, man? More than anything, love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. I love what I'm doing. I want people out there to just love what the hell they're spending their life energy doing. Love it or leave it. Man, you if, dude, if they only knew. They only knew what we <laughs> what we went through to get to where, Yo, we, get get to where we're going here, right son. now, dude. Listen. Okay, everybody, listen. Bobby Jones might love you, but I can't stand you. In fact, I think we're out of here, all right? So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPad or iPhone, for all of you on your Droid, for all of you on your desktop, who runs the world? Old school, old school. For my man, Bobby Savage Jones, I am Jason DeBeas. This is episode 74, and we are out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optionvb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.